Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Good afternoon. Just the noon whistle just blew, so it is afternoon. I don't know if it's afternoon where you are, but it's afternoon here. And as usual, we have salty and spice, and we are on the road on another beautiful Sunday afternoon. This time, we're staying within the state of Missouri. Do a short podcast for you today. It's not going to be the longest one we've ever done, but it's not going to be really, really super short either. We're going to talk about my favorite, and perhaps even your favorite. Well, a lot of people are going to call it favorites, but a gun. We're doing a gun review, a podcast gun review of Mosin the Guns. The Mosin. Okay. Killed more Nazis than probably any other single weapon ever. Oh, and it's good to kill Nazis. I don't like Nazis. If you're a Nazi, yeah, I don't like you very much. Just stop listening to my show, okay? Because you're a Nazi. I don't like Nazis. I have no use for Nazis. Not even American Nazis, not Illinois Nazis. From the, from the movie, yeah. Not, not a Nazi fan. Hate's not my deal. And, I'm, and yes, I am saying Nazi because I am a fan of Inglorious Bastards, the movie. So, yeah. Mosin. Americans call it the Mosin Nagant, and it's not really called that by the Russians, but because Mr. Nagant had very little actually to do with the development of the gun. We have in the Mosin a gun that has had a interesting history, not only before it reached the American shore, but after it reaches the, Ameri- reaches the American store. The Mosin is, is a military surplus weapon, for those of you who are not familiar with it. What planet do you live on? <laughs> yeah, it's a 7.62 by 54R. And let me dispel something. The 54R, the R in that does not stand for Russian, as some people will tell you. The R stands for rimmed. It is a rimmed round. This is the a round that has been used for longer in military service than any other single round. Any other cartridge. This has been used longer. It's, it was used in the 1800s, and it is still in production, and they're still cranking out 7.62 by 54R guns. Which means there are a whole lot of those rounds out there. Yes. Although there are less than there used to be, at least available on the American market. We'll get, we'll get into that. Which might be because we bought them. <laughs> Which might be because we bought them all. No, no, that's not true. We, <laughs> we bought several. We do own several rounds for the guns. First, let's talk about the Mosin as the prepper gun. Back in 2000 to 2000. And 12 or 13, the Mosin was widely considered in the prepper community the best option to have a cheap, high-powered rifle. It was the $69.30-6 because I got, excuse me, I got to take a little drink here. I'm going to take a libation, sorry. You get the sound effects with the libation. Yeah, I have to have the sound effects with the libation. Okay. The Mosin came over 
as military surplus from the Soviet Union after the Soviet Union broke up. From the most of them did not actually come from Russia. Most of them came from like the Ukraine, Yugoslavia, a bunch of Soviet former Soviet client states. The models that mostly came over were the uh, 9130s, which means they were the uh, pattern of 19 or 1891, which is when the gun was released, and they were modified in 1930. So most of the production that you saw that came into the United States, not all, but most, were actually the 1930 mods, which basically shortened up the gun. It uh, changed out, the, the, the rear sight was changed out from that weird, only used in Russia uh, yardage system. Clutch. Yeah, clutch, yeah. It wasn't yards, it wasn't meters. That was removed, and they were re uh, retooled with the uh, sights marked in meters. You know, something a little more civil. And they did some other things to it. And there are some older guns that were available in America that were basically re-arsenaled. But for the most part, the guns that came over to the United States were built in the uh, 1930s, 1940s, up until about 45. It was the primary weapon used by the Soviets in the Great Patriotic War, otherwise known to America as World War II. And it is, by and large, the gun that won World War II. Now, there are a couple, three variants of it that are very common. The least of which common in commonness is the M39, which is a carbine-shortened version of the Mosin that did not have a bayonet. Now, the Russians at the time were bayonet crazy. They've always been, they love their bayonets. The Soviets, I mean, part of their doctrine, even through World War II, was the bayonet charge. And Where most, men are more common than bullets. Yes. The most... Uh, These, I mean, the Mosins are a big, huge, long gun, and the, these, they put bayonets on this, spike bayonets on the end, adds another, you know, 12, 14 inches to that gun. It becomes a very, very, very long, heavy gun. And the gun itself is a manolictor design, which means it has wood basically out almost to the muzzle. So you can easily grip, you can have been firing the gun, but you can easily grip the barrel of the of the rifle and not burn yourself, so you can use it as a club. And in Russia, you can use hang on to the barrel of it without frostbiting your hand to the barrel. Yes, which is kind of important. The M1939 was not as largely produced. They loved the carbine length for clearing buildings. But they also love their bayonets. That led to the M44 model, which is the basically the same gun as the 39, except for they built a bayonet 
that folds out and just flicks open and folds out. Very convenient to use. Cool device. And there were quite a few M44s, and at one point in time, the M44s were actually cheaper to buy on the American market, not anymore, than the uh, 9130s. And then there's another set of Mosins that became available, well, about three to four years ago. And they were the Type 53 Chinese, which were basically a contract, they, they contracted for the design of the uh, M44. So they're basically M44s, but they're built with Chinese wood and Chinese metal, built by Chinese hands. Before you discount those, because they are they're some of the ugliest guns ever okay. made, because that wood is just horrible looking. It's It makes a lot of sense, though, what they did. They built them out of a wood that just doesn't rot. It's easily dented, it's easily scarred, but it doesn't rot. And when you're doing a lot of the, the jungle-type work that the Chinese army has to do, not rotting is a big deal. So those guns were, were available dirt cheap after the regular Mosin started drying up. Those are the ones where the wood cracks quite a bit, isn't it? Yes. They? Yeah. So... Why does all this matter? Well, the, the whole thing is, for many, many years, these guns were dirt, dirt, dirt cheap. I mean, 69 bucks a gun. And then they had a little bit of a price increase. They became 99 bucks a gun. And for years, they sold for 99 bucks a gun. Not only that, but you could get a case, and by a case, I mean 880 rounds, a metal or a big wooden crate of ammo that has two spam cans with 440 rounds in them each, you could get that shipped to your address for 129 bucks for high-powered rounds. 880 for 125, 130 bucks. Are you kidding me? That's Guaranteed insane. to give you excellent practice in cleaning your rifle barrels. Well, yeah. It's just cleaning, though. Yeah, I know, but I thought it was something that should be out there. It's dirty ammo. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's corrosive. All that stuff, all the old Russian and Soviet ammo was corrosive. Which, you know, with a Mosin isn't a big deal because it does have a chromite barrel. But you do need to clean your guns after you fire corrosive ammo, but it's just cleaning your gun, and you just need to learn how to clean your gun and do it anyway. So I, I've never found... People people freak out about corrosive ammo in, a, in like, a Mosin. Well, you're, you're cleaning your gun anyway. Just run run a couple patches of hoppies through it, use the brush, and, and you're good. Hoppies are number nine is what we use. In fact, I, I, I almost put it behind her ear as perfume. <laughs> it's such a pleasant smell to me. Um, anyway, long story short, just brush out your gun, clean it all up, and, and you'll be fine. I mean, these Mosins are designed for it. In fact, even if you get one that, that people didn't take care of, and the barrel's pitted, they're just about as accurate as the others. So, um, But there are some really accurate Mosins out there. There are some exceedingly accurate Mosins. They do have a sniper version, which kind of is going to go beyond the post, the the scope of this podcast 
because they have the original sniper versions and people have made sniper versions. I'm not going to get into the snipers because they're very expensive to get a real one. Right now they're running about a thousand bucks to get a real one. And frankly, you're just a collector if you want it because that makes no economic sense to buy that gun. That's a collector's thing. And we're talking about preppers here. So the concept a lot of people use these motions for, and we use these motions for, was, okay, I can buy up several of these, just put them away. I can use them as a cash gun. I can put them and just put them in the safe. Leave them in the packed, packed cosmoline they came in. Just put them in the safe. And if and when we ever need them, you can give somebody in your family who comes in without a, without a weapon a high-powered rifle and a case of ammunition and not have not have set yourself back but a couple hundred bucks. Very cheap way to set up, set them up. And, you know, if you go ahead and stock some good hunting ammunition, you have a gun that they can hunt deer with for 69 or 99 bucks. But then, here's the twist. This is all historical. The twist came in when both the ammunition and the sources of the Mosin started drying up. Now, this is done for various different reasons. Uh, kind of beyond the scope of the podcast, but there was a political part of it when a recent president decided to ban imports of certain things from Russia. Uh, but again, not all these were coming from Russia. A lot of the, they just emptied the, ars the old arsenals out of what they're willing to part with. They had a bunch of surplus guns, but Soviet states and former Soviet states, these guys are really into not getting rid of equipment. So uh, they still have a lot more of them in, in the warehouses. They're just not selling them in case they should ever need them. So they kind of dried up, and the price started to raise. Uh, I saw it go up to $119 for just the standard Mosin. I saw it go to $139. And by this top point in time, I was out of the buying of the most business because that, that, to me, that gun became not worth it for a prepper. And I'll go into why in just a minute. The... Price on them has continued to rise to now. I mean, I'm seeing them for two hundred and fifty to three hundred dollars for a for just an everyday Izzy round top 1944 Mosin. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, it was made by the Izzevec, uh Armor Arsenal, which is of the two the least valuable of the arsenals for collector value. Um, the hex-headed guns are more valuable to collectors, and they're actually a little better gun. But they they stopped making those in the mid-30s because they were difficult to make that hexed head. That required a lot more work to make the, the, um, the head of it in that shape, so they just rounded it. And also, when you get into the late model guns, they're not... It's not that they're of horrible quality, 
It's just that the fit and finish really went into the tank in 1943-44 because they're fighting for their lives and they're trying to pump out as many of these things as they can. So you they can still really didn't want them to blow up in somebody's hand, but they didn't care how they looked. Right, and these, these guns, Mosins are so overbuilt, they're not going to blow up on you. I mean, that's the one thing you have to say about Soviet guns. They are reliable. They have to be. Or the conditions hey, are used in. You can use them in cold weather. You can use them in any kind of cold weather. It don't matter how cold it is. The dang thing will still fire. So, and I'm getting a little disjointed, so I gotta, I'm going to reel it in a little bit. There's All of these little things make a difference in the values of the gun, and I think some of it's perceived like Izzy versus Tula. I don't think that's even a real thing, but collectors do. Bottom line, though, Mosins, as they were coming in, surplus stamped by the importers, are not pretty much ever going to be true collector's firearms. There are just too many of them. Now, there may be a few of them that are an exception. Like, there were some Mosins made for by Westinghouse, for example. And there were some Mosins made in America that were built on contract, but because of the revolution, yada, yada. Some of those are more valuable. And there are a few, you know, if you can find an unconverted Dragoon, for example, that's more valuable. So the price rose. And the surplus ammunition became very difficult to find or very, very expensive. Fortunately for me, who I, I, I could see this. Well, I'm not trying to. I, I saw this coming. And anybody who was on, the, on the, the, the forums with me knows I'm telling the truth. Because I was telling people this is about to happen. Spice, in fact, was, thought I was crazy a little bit, I think. Because I bought a whole bunch of Mosins. And I'm like, I could see this. This is drying up, and they're going to be worth a lot more money. And she's like, so they made millions of them. And I'm like, yes. Yeah, but she was more like, we only have so much safe space. <laughs> so I'll buy some more safes for the Mosins. What's the big deal? Right? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we, I bought up a few. And uh, we have some of them are sitting in our is sitting in a in a gun safe, in the cosmoline, in the plastic, is sitting there, and that's where they're going to remain. But they are increasing in value. Is there a chance that one of these days that uh, there'll be a bunch more Mosins come in and they'll drop back down in value? Yeah, but probably not to the price that I paid for them. So I'm happy. We have ammunition sitting in a crate. That ammunition's 30, 40, 50 years old. Doesn't matter. That, that stuff will fire 50 years from now. I'm not going to be here 50 years from now. So, I'm good. Now, I will tell you that, you know, so, so some of you out there probably say, what about the finished motions? We're not going to talk about it. I'm not talking about the finished motions. They're kind of a different gun. So, I mean, they're, they're great. They're much better made, but they've always been expensive. And they're more of a collector's item. Back in the day, everybody used to say, get a Mosin, get a Mosin, get a Mosin. But 
Very few people say that anymore, and here's why. One, they're incredibly difficult to put a scope on and have that scope stay in. Stay in. Uh, in true. Zeroed in. Absolutely. They have a very stout, sharp felt recoil. And that kind of knocks the scopes around. And there's just, a, they were not designed to be a scoped gun. There's another thing we'll talk about in another review of the SKS, which I love. Is another one that's just not designed to be a scoped gun. That's not what the Russians built them for. They built them for mass mass combat, not for uh, shooting. You know, one guy two hundred fifty yards away. Yeah, even though they can certainly do that. Uh, one of the one of the top Finnish snipers in the Winter War, uh, the top guy often shot an unscoped gun because the weather just made the scopes not work very well. Number two reason I don't recommend them as a prepper gun anymore is because, frankly, the sights are goofy. You can have them all the way down, and this gun's still going to be shooting at 300 yards. The Russians had designed this gun to shoot three to 400 yards out. And you were shooting it, they designed it to shoot at mast, mast uh, target. So as it is stock, it's very difficult. You always have to aim low on it. Now I can just put a review on my website of the Anacortes peep sight that I've put on some of my motions that I love. And it fixes that problem. And it also makes it much more accurate because shooting with a peep sight, I can, I can get pretty well where I want to be at 100 yards. And it works great. But it, the, there's so much stuff you can do to a Mosin because there's so many aftermarket parts out there. I've got one that I just tricked out just to do it with the uh, Archangel stock on it with the... the uh, Magazines that are removable, and then I got a bipod on it, and I got a muzzle brake on it, and I put one of these Anacortes. He was playing. Know, I was playing, yeah. But, you know, the whole idea behind a Mosin was to do it cheap. And as you start adding stuff to the Mosins, you, I mean, you, you end up with a not cheap gun that you can't really put a scope on. Or you can, but you can spend a, a whole bunch more money. And it'd just be better to go out and buy an inexpensive Savage Axis or something like that and have a high-powered rifle that you can readily go to the store and buy ammunition for. So, uh, I love my Mosins. I think they're great. They're fun. I love the I love the uh, way that the uh, M44s and the Type 53s with the shorter barrels, the barrels are shorter than the than the charge of the round is set for. So they shoot out these humongous fireballs. And they're just it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. They give your shoulder. They will give your shoulder a little loving. You're gonna get some love from them. You'll know that you shot something. It's about yeah. People talk about how bad it is. Honestly, it's about the same as a 12 gauge. I 12, shoot him, and I'm a 120 pound woman. So get over yeah. it. Yeah. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> 
But the Type 53s, that's one of the ones that I did buy several of. Uh, I got them on a deal with cracked stocks. And then I waited around until I found a deal on the, uh, I believe it's the ATI stock, the ATI Monte Carlo stock I put on them. And the metal on the uh, Type 53s, the Chinese guns, were, were is fine. The the bluing is worn, but the, the metal is good. But the stocks were just hideous. They were cracked. They were useless. So I bought the, the guns. I think I paid $79 per gun for them. And this has been three years ago. And then I just bought... I waited until I go on Amazon and bought the, the, the stocks for like $54. Okay, now I have a high-powered rifle that's accurate, that's got, that's ready to go for yeah, $135, $140 with a modern composite carbon stock on it or a poly stock on it. That's a pretty good deal. In fact, one of my one of my regular shooters is one of those guns. I always leave the the, the bayonets on the uh, M39s and the M40. I mean the F44s and the M50 Type 53s. They look lonely without them. Yeah, they do. And besides, the guns are balanced with them. So, bottom line, my friends, the Mosin is no longer a prepping gun. Until such time as they sh- they come down in price, or the ammunition, we get a bunch more of this ammunition for dirt cheap. Except it the is, ones preppers already have sitting around. Yeah, absolutely don't Those get are rid of them. Still prepper guns. Yeah, I, I got them. I bought them. I bought them when uh, when the time was right. So yeah, if people start talking about a Mosin to you, just just say no. I love them. Get get one and play with it. It's fun. It's just, you're looking down the sights thinking, I wonder how many Nazis this thing killed. That's just a lot of fun. Don't you think? And unlike, you know, unlike a lot of guns, you just, you take a Mosin for what it is. You know, with an, if you were to go out and buy a new bolt-action gun, you'd expect it to have a beautiful trigger. Most of the trigger's going to suck. It just is. Unless you put a Timney trigger on it, which I have one with a Timney trigger on it, and it's great, but that's a $100 trigger, you know? You, the, the triggers are going to suck. The bolts, yeah, they may stick. They're a little sticky. It happens. When you first get it, you're going to have to deal with the Cosmoline, which is a pain. Yeah. Although I will tell you the best way to get rid of Cosmoline is, is to do it in the summer. You just get a newspaper, and you wrap the gun up in a newspaper. I mean, wrap it really good in, in newspaper, and you put several layers in it, because the Cosmoline is going to soak into the paper. And take that and put that inside of a black plastic bag and seal the bag. You need to make sure this bag is sealed because the Cosmoline will get runny. And you put that in your car and, and roll the windows up. Actually, it, it's really smelly. So you put it in your wife's car and you roll the <laughs> You put it in your trunk. and you... Yeah, it is a little smelly, so you might not want to do it. But yeah, put it like put it in your trunk. I didn't think it ended up smelling too bad, but then I drive with my windows open a lot in the summer, so... So, take the you take the uh, 
Gun back out. Grab yourself a, uh, some old T-shirts or stuff that you never want to see again. You just wipe them down. And that gets 95% of it off. Uh, best way to clean, out, clean the uh, Cosmoline off of your bolt it's going to sound silly, but these are, these are military guns. They're designed to be abused. Is to disassemble your bolt, get an old pot, one that you'll never cook in again. It has to be an old pot. Yard sale. Yeah, anything. It doesn't matter. You put it on your stove, take the, take the uh, water to boiling, and you just drop your parts in and boil it for about five minutes. Now, go ahead and wipe off as much as you can first, all right? Uh, Cosmoline is not really damaging to the environment, so it's not going to kill you if you, whatever little is left goes down the drain. It's not that big a deal. Normally, I'm pretty cautious about what I put down the drain, but yeah, that's not, it's not that big a deal. So, and that bolt will be clean once you're done with that. Once you're done with that. And that's the best way because a lot of the sticky that people talk about on their bolts is they just don't get all the cosmoline off of it. Uh, you can polish your bolts. You can do all kinds of stuff, and it really doesn't make much difference. It makes a lot of bolts look really pretty. So just a thought. you have anything to add about Mosins? You're not much of a Mosin shooter. I like the historical groove of them, but I don't have a whole lot of... Uh... That niche is not something I frequently need to fill, so... Okay. What about Nazis? I don't really feel inclined to shoot them, but if there were no more, that would be fine by me. All right. So, there we have it. There's a brief overview of my thoughts on whether a Mosin is still a prepping gun. Absolutely not, in my humble opinion. But go ahead and pick one up anyway, because they're fun to shoot. All right. I think we're going to wrap it. I think we're... We're where we need to be, so. Have a good day. Have a good day.